0: Um,
1: that intro dan don't you it's just amazing absolutely hey everyone welcome to episode 10 of the power play podcast sponsored by power play sports we welcome everyone wishing everyone an early happy new year i am michael ladue
2: i am the dan dallin
3: i am Cameron dallin and i'm trey ladue
1: awesome uh the opening music is provided by Tony Solari School of Music here in Watertown, New York. Tony uh, Solari School of Music. Schooloftone.com is their website. So welcome everyone to the Power Play podcast. I hope everybody had a great uh, Christmas. We had an awesome interview with Jameson Coyle of the NHL Network just before Christmas, and I hope you all got to tune in and see that. However, we are even more fortunate today because we are in the presence of greatness, quite honestly, a 400 victory champion, the head coach of Syracuse University, has 17 pro players playing in the women's professional ranks. He's been at SU for 12 years. Prior to that, he was at uh, St. Lawrence University. Love that. Love to see that. Trey's got the hat on. Welcome, Coach Flanagan.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, I like that intro music, too. That was good. That's a local
1: guy up here in Watertown. He uh, he actually wrote it for us so we wouldn't get in trouble with any uh, copyright
2: infringements on other people's stuff.
0: All right. Well, thanks for having me on. How's everybody doing? Doing wonderful.
2: Yeah, pretty good. Trying to stay healthy or get healthy again, either way.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty scary times. We're kind of running into a little bit of the COVID issue here um, with a couple of kids, but eh, it is what it is, right?
1: Yeah, we just saw it. We, Trey and I were doing some research on, uh, on the, world, the, the uh, world Juniors, and uh, the U.S. team had to forfeit last night.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. I'm not sure how they're moving forward.
1: Yeah, they said there was going to be a decision this morning. I know that uh, two players on the U.S. team tested positive, and they were doing a secondary test to make sure that it wasn't a false positive. And then I think the protocol was a two-day wait, but I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess, because that would really be – that wouldn't be good for Team USA, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, Bob McKenzie just tweeted that there's more cancellations to come. So,
1: Oh, Great. That's not good. And it's funny because, um, I was looking at, uh, I was looking at some of the, uh, you know, tiebreakers and one of the tie breakers is go- the first tiebreakers goal differential in the US's first game. They won by a goal. And then the game, uh, you know, they're forfeited game. They lost by a goal. So they're dead, even right now. <laughs> so yeah. not not necessarily so good, but on to you coach, um, I'd really like you to tell us a little bit about, um, really the early days of hockey with you. you you know how you got into the game back as a young man a few years back probably several years back and you know how you've risen to where you are today
0: well i've just been in the right place at the right time i think quite often to be honest with you. without going too far back um mm-hmm. uh, i get in i had put grew up in canton played high school there and uh played at Kent college played at st lawrence graduated in 80, and then I, uh, I, I got to get out of the North Country, so I, uh, I ended up living in Denver for a while. Um, I was working a job up in Montana, of all places, and uh, after a while, I decided I came back east, and just by luck, I was back in Canton, and the athletic director at Canton High, um, Ali Audette, I guess they had just, uh, the, the former coach had just resigned, Dave Kingston, and so they were scrambling to find, to find a high school coach, and I was, wasn't sure what I was going to do. I still had everything in my, that I owned in my car, <laughs> and uh, I had a teaching certificate, and so I said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll take the job if you, uh, which didn't pay any, they paid peanuts back then. Right. Um, busy with some substitute teaching, that kind of thing, which they did. I was busy all the time within the Canton schools and that's how I started coaching. And, um, so just kind of fell into it. And I did that for six years at Canton high. And, um, and I was teaching school, I ended up getting a teaching job, I was teaching school. And, um, so in the spring of 88, the spring of 88, Mark Morris was one of Joe's assistants. He took the Clarkson job Yeah. In- on, who's been the long-time head coach at Colgate? He was the other assistant. He went to uh, he went to Cornell, and so within a two-week time frame, I had Joe hired two new assistants. He hired me and wire. and uh, that's how I got my start. And I I literally thought that uh, you know get my master's paid for, see if I like college coaching, and I can always go back to teaching that kind of thing. And uh, here I am, you know. 30 some odd years later. Um, So that's how I kind of fell into the college game. Joe just was looking for someone. And um, I I did get my masters. It took me about four years, Um, but I really fell in love with the the college game. I I, I like the the kids that, you know, they're all motivated. You know, I was on the men's side for uh, 11 years working with Joe Marsh, we mentioned earlier, and uh, he was a great mentor and um, You know, it was tough, life on the road. I I got married a couple years in, had three kids, and it it was tough because you traveled a lot. And um, and as much as I loved what I was doing and working for Joe, um, I think my quality of life with my young kids and just the traveling was tough. And all of a sudden, once again, I fell into it. St. Lawrence was looking for a head women's coach. The program was two or three years old, and um, I guess I'm in the right place, right time. And it was perfect for me with the transition. I didn't have to move, and now I would be able. I'll have assistants that they can travel. Not that I didn't, um, right. but it was perfect. And so I just kind of transitioned down the hallway, literally, of Appleton Arena. I just picked everything up and moved down the hallway, and um, I did that for nine years. And had a lot of great kids. and We had a lot of success, and I think that. That led to some job opportunities, Syracuse being one of them. And so after nine years, Syracuse called, they wanted to start a program. It was kind of innocent at first. They were, they called telling me they were starting a program, wondering if we would schedule them. And um, I get talking to the administrator. I'm like, well, who's going to be your coach? Are you going to be a bona fide team? I we want to play you, we want to help you. But, and um, he said, well, we're still looking. And I, I don't know. Maybe the next conversation <laughs> with him led to, well, would you be interested? That kind of thing. So, um, I think at the time for me, it was, a, it was probably either I'm going to just put my feet up, I'm going to be at St. Lawrence till I retire, or this is a good opportunity. Um, and I'm not a big city guy, but maybe just to go to a, you know, smaller city, but a bigger, a bigger environment. Maybe try something different. Um, certainly I have a, a, a tremendous affinity for St. Lawrence. And I didn't feel like, you know, I don't have to go anywhere. But that's, this opportunity came up and I just thought, you know what? They, they want to start it from scratch. They're looking for someone that uh, has some experience. And so talked to my wife. My wife works with the state of New York, and it was perfect for her in, t- in terms of that she's in corrections, that she could transfer. And so I didn't disrupt her um, career, um, and so I think it was kind of a win-win. And uh, and it was only a couple hours south from from mm-hmm. my. Family. And so here I am, you know, started the program from scratch. We had about three months, in in the uh, in the in the spring of two thousand and eight to to find a staff and find a team, and we were playing that fall. Mm-hmm. And it's I look back, fourteen years gone pretty fast. It's my 14th year now. So, um, but that's kind of the story in a synopsis right there that that's how I just kind of fell into it. And um, I, you know, I didn't know that I was gonna ever be coaching, but uh, it, it's something that maybe it, it, you, you always have, when you play the game, maybe you have a passion and like to try it. I was just one of those guys that got the opportunity to really try it. And uh, the high school level is just, it was part-time obviously. But once I, I started working full time with Joe, it really became a passion of mine. So I, I've been really, very, very fortunate to not only uh, have these jobs, but work with a lot of great coaches and coach a lot of great kids along the way.
2: You know, Coach Paul, you mentioned something that just kind of caught me. Uh, I guess we don't really think a lot about how much travel is involved. You, you said you traveled a lot more as an assistant coach compared to when you became a head coach. Like, in, in what way?
0: What, what is that relation? Let's first start with the sports, to be honest with you. On the men's side versus the women's side, it, it's unique in, in our sport of women's hockey that there's a lot of uh, showcases in tournaments. That It seems to be the primary recruiting mode. You're, you're going off somewhere for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday showcase or tournament. Um, not that you don't go to an individual game, you know run up to kingston for a game come back but it's predominantly on the women's side you're doing showcases whereas on the men's side there's there's not very many showcases at least there wasn't in my 11 years you were you were flying to saskatchewan seven or eight days and traipsing all over god's creation you know? yeah practice in an afternoon and going through a game that night doing the same thing the next day and it's just it's that much more competitive I felt on the men's side. In fact, coincidentally, I was with my family uh, Christmas Eve, and my my nephew Sean is an assistant for Mike Schaefer at Cornell, and uh, just asking him like, "Hey, where's your next game?" He says, "Well, we're going to Arizona State." I go, "Oh, that'll be nice. It's nice and warm out there." He goes, oh, "I'm going eight days in British Columbia, <laughs> <laughs> baby, little baby," and I'm thinking, boy. We don't really do that on the women's side so yeah. my quality of life when i switched from the men's side being assistant and whether well, even if i was transitioning to the women's side as, a, as an assistant um, it would have it, it just changed dramatically and that's that's something we're very fortunate on the women's side that uh you know isn't as crazy with the travel and so so for me to back up that that was, uh, that was something that had a huge bearing on, you know, I love being in the men's game. And, uh, and at first it's, I think a lot of people call me and stuff saying are you crazy? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm, my quality of life just, you know, went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so I made a decision for my family, selfishly, I guess. But, uh, and, and then I, you know, once I get into it, found out how much I really enjoyed the women's game. Um, I never look back, but it, it is something where, you know, um, I think initially I did a lot of travel as a head coach. Um, I've been pretty lucky here at Syracuse, especially the last 10 years. I've had real good assistants. I've done a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of the traveling, a lot of the legwork, but uh, it is a little different. Um, and, and that's all. And hopefully that explains yeah. It's.
1: Coach, it really seems it seems like, and I kind of looked at your roster and in and, and, and follow you a little bit and follow the and follow the Saints and, and Clarkson and it seems maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like when I look at uh, men's college hockey, because of you know because of the major junior status in Canada and they're in a you know the, the fact that they're not eligible to play college hockey if they play major junior hockey, those guys uh, tend to recruit out west a lot at DBC JHL and Saskatchewan and stuff like that, whereas it seems like a lot of the women's um, recruits come from Ontario, really, Ontario and Quebec mostly.
0: Yeah, you're spot on. Um, so and our sport, is predominantly heavy with Ontario and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And back to the – if you look at the numbers, um, for instance, I, I'm not sure how many high school girls team in New York now because it's been growing, mm-hmm. but let's say there's 20. I think in Minnesota, there's like 180, just wow. to give you an and then right. you look at Ontario, Ontario, I think it's from ages six to 16, they have as many kids registered playing girls and in, in women's hockey than all of the United States. I mean, it's it's crazy. So those are the two hotbeds and it's mm-hmm. easy to cross geographically. Obviously, we migrate to, to Ontario and Syracuse, for instance, has a real good name. You know, it's well known. Yeah. Ontario, that Syracuse, oh, you know, football, basketball, hey, you know, we're trying to make it more yep. women's hockey. But, uh, and so, and I think with St. Lawrence and Clarkson, you're, you're 20 minutes from the border, and obviously Ottawa and anywhere in Quebec is just a hotbed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that's why you see a lot of the Eastern teams, and even some of the better WCHA teams have Ontario kids. Um, but those are the two hotbeds where I think in the men's side, yeah kids gravitate whether it's USHL which has grown so much and is all over different states um, there's kids playing all over California and we do have there's women's and girls teams in California it's not as well uh, firmly entrenched yet um, in, in terms of what Minnesota has and what what Ontario has yeah tell me you know what
1: I was I was curious about what like what's what's the difference between coaching at a school like SLU, which is a real small school versus coaching at a school like Syracuse, which is a really, you know, it's a big school. Is there, is there a difference in funding or is there a difference in, you know, uh, your access to recruits or anything like that? Is, is it a different environment? Like what, what you face versus what Chris Wells faces, I guess, maybe.
0: Well, yeah, if that's the comparison, um, and, co- and by the way, I coach I coach Chris when he was like a little tight. I coached yeah. him in high. School. I, coached I coach
1: him. his son Bobby a little bit,
0: <laughs> so I know him pretty well. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, well, I think for starters, you, you, you know, you're familiar with St. Lawrence, whether it's St. Lawrence Clarkson, you know, School. You know, you look at Colgate, RPI, yeah. uh, Union, where, where there's smaller enrollments, where where you know hockey's the big ticket. Hockey is like, that's, it's not just, you know, the kids that are on campus that, you know, students come yeah. to the, they're, they're town teams. Yeah. And you North know, St. Lawrence, we, you know, and as much as you wanted, you know, a great uh, backing from the students, you knew you were going to get that. But the townspeople, like, yeah, the Montreal Canadiens can't New York, really. Right. I think that that's, that's something that really separates, like, yeah, you know, you really had a feeling and our kids always felt it like, hey, you know, you look up and there's a lot of townspeople at our games back we were getting 7,800 to a dartmouth mm-hmm. Harvard game. And that's pretty good on the women's side. And uh, so a lot of notoriety throughout the campus, throughout the community where in in terms of the support, you know, it's, it's a little different how they funnel things at a smaller school. I just know like operating budget there just, you know, we always had what we needed, but it is different. You know, everything's coming out of a main fund, so to speak, you know, that's how they kind of do things where now at a bigger school, it was for me, it was like, wow, what a difference. So, you know, football and basketball fund everybody else here. Everybody yeah. the department mm-hmm. has to be self-sufficient. And so, uh, you know, we need football to do well, because that's the big breadwinner. And you know, it seems to me that everyone around here is crazy about basketball. I love it that they have such a following, but uh, football drives the engine. But those two sports fund everybody else, all our everything. And yep. so from, it's a totally different perspective. And you think, wow, those, you know, big schools got all kinds of money, but they still have to, you know, still have to make the bottom line. Yep. And so I think the real difference that I found here is a lot less notoriety. Not that Central New York isn't, you know, a hockey hotbed. There's a lot of great, particularly on the men's side. There's a lot of kids playing college hockey right now. There's some pros. Um, the Crunch drove very well, and you know, you get out there and there's six thousand people. It's like here's a, here's some hockey fans. Mm-hmm. But It's been, I think, tougher just generating that notoriety for the sport. Whereas St. Lawrence, it's there. Yeah. It's there. Classic facility. You know it's and they just put 20 million into it it's like oh my goodness and they you know because they i think it's a lot more pride because that's the primary sport and here it's just we're we're one of those sports after football and basketball to be honest with you but our budgets are solid and they take care of us and get us what we need it's just you know it would help if we you know we need to to put a product on the ice and win games and, and and generate notoriety from within but it's it is something here where it's a little bit different that everyone gravitates to those big sports because i even i'm surprised as big as is lacrosse is here um, Mm -hmm. how they they really you know it's football basketball and then men's lacrosse
2: yeah and it's a big step to get to men's lacrosse
1: yeah i doubt yeah Yeah. and i mean you got gary gate and petro now i mean you got two of the greatest players to ever play the game i mean su's You know, SU lacrosse is something else, but it is a huge. I'm sure it is a huge drop off from what football and basketball provide.
2: Right, and like you're saying, coach. Oh, good. No, good. Uh, You. Well, I was going to say, like you're saying. I mean, the SU women's hockey and men's lacrosse is it's no joke. I mean, they're nationally recognized, globally recognized. The, the The programs are outstanding, but that big step from basketball to those two sports is enormous as far as just local recognition and, and income generation. Yeah,
0: that's funny. Yeah. And you know Does what? It... The coaches get it here. We all get mm-hmm. it. We, we know. And everybody's so supportive. And the, one of the things that I really noticed when when I came here is just coming from a big athletic department, numbers-wise, at St. Lawrence it's bigger. There's 32 athletic teams. When you count in, you know, all the crew and, and you know –
1: uh, equestrian and they get fencing and everything
0: golf and all that and squash i think there's 30 there's 17 teams here and so you know you get to i actually gotten to know the coaches better and i think from day one since i've been here I, i'm just blown away how great the coaches have been um i've become you know my office right next to gary gate for quite a while he just moved upstairs um recently but just how you know how good they are to one They've been to, to me, but to one another. And there's a really good camaraderie here. Even, even Dino and, and, and Coach Behan, you know, mm-hmm. they're always supportive. Um, and there's a really good camaraderie, which was a little tougher at St. Lawrence. You'd think the, the opposite. It just, but it's there's so many new coaches always cycling through at St. Lawrence and a lot of the sports. I don't even you go to a meeting yep. and you know half of them. But here it is something where they've been they've been great to me and to my assistants and our program and you know but at the end of the day yeah we we recognize you know who's who's bringing home the bacon so to speak Mm -hmm. and you you get it you understand it and that's why we always cheer. i mean i love the football team anyway but you cheer for them yeah that is so much of the resources that we have to work with starts with them Mm -hmm. and and the other thing I, i alluded to a little bit earlier but we found out, my wife and I, with, with basketball, I, I I knew it was always a big program here, but it's the, the school and the students and everything. But this whole area, like people drive in from an hour to go to, like, you can't go to a restaurant. If they're on TV, we found out rather, don't go out to go to the restaurant. or it has TVs because you're not going to get in if, if basketball is fine. I mean, it's a great time to go to the supermarket because nobody's there. <laughs> nobody's there. <laughs> I you know what no you know what I was wondering, Coach,
1: is um, with all, with all of those sports they have a men's and a women's program, and they're both successful. in mo- – well, football not, but many of the other sports like lacrosse and basketball. There's no men's program on the on the hockey side. Do you foresee a men's hockey program, Division One hockey program, at SU in the future?
0: Well, I, I do think a little bit of that goes back if you if you really look into delve into the, the athletic department history here, which I've done a little of since I've been here, um, you know, obviously title nine mm-hmm. uh, and we don't want to get into that title nine conversation, but uh, you know, I think that some sports were dropped on the men's side. They've added some sport. I think that we're the newest, we're 14 years old. We're the newest sport um, softball before us. And so right now it's, it's a, it's seven and ten or seven and eleven. Maybe there's eighteen here with cheerleading, but there's only men's sports here, and eleven women's. I think that's what it is. Wow, uh, eighteen. But to make make progress towards title nine, they've had to be pretty creative. And you know, we're the only school in the ACC that doesn't have a baseball team. And maybe a little bit of that could be just the weather here. But I mean, yeah, they always had it before. And I think that's tough and wrestling was, you know, they get rid of wrestling. And so when they started women's hockey, that's when they dropped men's and and women's swimming and diving. And they they said that was because of the magnitude of having to to redo a facility, it was millions and millions. And so without getting delving into it too deep, I I do think that softball and and women's hockey um, arrived to help with their progress towards Title IX. Um, any, any school that receives federal funding, even though we're a private university, we receive federal funding, you have to kind of abide by you know, you know, the, the law, which was, I think Title IX is 1972 or 73. Mm-hmm. So with that said, um, with a men's team, they have a men's club team here, uh, mm-hmm. but I think moving forward, Unless there's somebody like uh, Terry Pagula that that started everything up at Penn State, um, I mean, just incredible funding uh, because and especially now I think with the the last couple of years of the pandemic, um, they're trying to do some you know upgrade facilities here for all sports, yep. and uh, I think that thing you know to all of a sudden I mean, do I think that, that men's hockey would go here? Oh, it's it would be it would be a winner. I think it'd be great. Um, but I think financially, they're just not ready for it. I'm, I'm not going to say they'll never have it here, mm. but I think a ways off. I think there's, there's a lot of recovery from this pandemic to get through the next few years, uh, build some facilities for existing programs before they would think of probably doing something. And then that, that trade-off with Title Nine. So, but I mean, would I love to see it and you guys, obviously, yeah. um, hope it can happen someday because I do think it would be great here. I think it'd be well supported. Um, but I do think things are on the back burner right now.
2: So I'd like yeah. to see, you know, just the SU women's hockey program grow more uh, as far as just, you know, like we were talking before, notoriety. I honestly don't even know how I can watch a game aside from going down to one, uh, you know, when it's in town.
0: Yeah. Well, we're, we're actually very fortunate. We have it's uh, Q's TV. Um, Q's TV does most of our games. And now, just so you know, so uh, this ACC uh, contract that uh, TV, the network contract to the ACC network, um, and preparing for that a few years ago, they wired the whole campus, right? Mm-hmm. The studio down in uh, Newhouse. They wired the, you know, there's everything set up outside our ring for softball. Uh, we're all wired in. So have we had any games on the ACC network? No, not yet. But Q's TV will do production, sometimes three camera productions, which they take these young guys from, uh, it's usually young guys from Newhouse. They want talked about Jamison Coyle and some of the people that have gone through Newhouse. Um, they, they bring some young, aspiring broadcasters in here and they do a great job. So yeah. that's, Our games, all of our home games are on Q's TV, and all of our uh, international parents right now it's just Canadians they can access it. Um, It's kind of tough if we were ESPN Plus because I think that's difficult internationally to see. So, no, we we do have that, so we're fortunate. Um, We play in a small facility, I think that's a bit of a hindrance at times, maybe. You know, I don't know if it's so much playing the kids, we have it's a really nice rank, it's just small. It's small. It'll be a great lighting. It's a good ice surface. We got a beautiful locker room, um, but it's more like a smaller community rink here. We don't have we don't have that big wow factor with 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 a big rink. And let's face it, uh, other than Wisconsin and Minnesota, every women's team plays in their men's rink except for us. We're the only team present. You know, Wisconsin women have their own rink, and so does Minnesota. Believe it or not, they have their own ranks, But uh, I would, I would believe what Minnesota would, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and they pack it. And we were at Wisconsin a few times here over the years, and they, they have their own rank. I think it's like twenty eight hundred, and they sell it out. It's a great, it's a great environment. But everyone else, you go to Northeastern, bu B, B, you go UNH. I mean, you know, St. Lawrence and Clark, they're playing in their men's rank. and so it has been. You know, it, it's tougher because we don't have that big facility to while recruit and or a nicer facility to play in. But you know, we we're we're trying to make it grow.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you know? What's the seating capacity in that facility?
0: Gosh, it's probably there's just it was seating and standing room. It's I think it's four hundred and fifty is the fire code.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, and it's I- one of the we had hoped to have enhanced by now, Um, you know, have some better seating, kind of wrap around with some actual seats rather than metal bleachers. And uh, Mm -hmm. so that's something hopefully is, you know, uh, we get back on our feet here, getting through COVID uh, financially, that is something where the university can help us. And uh, so better seating, um, some other amenities, that would be nice to have for the rink to make it a little more fan friendly. Um, but again, it's a great ice surface that we play on. They put some new lighting in here. It's it's great lighting. So it's a great place that once you're here to watch the game, um, you just got to make sure you, you got a warm.
2: (laughs) We're used to to having to stay warm when we watch hockey. That's not a problem. (laughs)
0: There you go. Most of our fans, not an issue. Yeah. So you guys, um.
1: I know Dan has a question about, about, uh, about uh, IIHF, but uh, I just want to hit you up on the, on the battle of the bird coming up. You must be getting ready to head out of the town because I think you guys are playing BU in the next few days, aren't you? Uh,
0: so we actually we just started back practicing. We had a couple of hiccups. We were supposed to practice Monday evening, but with some testing and some other COVID protocols, we got started yesterday practicing. Practice just finished morning. Um, we'll practice again tomorrow. We'll leave Friday. So everyone gets there. We practice Friday afternoon. We play BU Saturday at four and then, um, St. Cloud state's playing Penn state and then the winners and losers will play each other on. on so, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's the uh, Mario Lemieux facility down there. Um, I haven't been to it. My assistant's been there, uh, watching tournaments. He said it's a great, great spot. Actually, Brian Mueller has a lot to do with that. He's, uh, He's kind of running that place, I've heard. you know that name, Brian Mueller? He's a Syracuse-area guy, two-time All-American at Clarkson. Okay, yeah, yeah, now I do, yep. Played pro for a bunch of years. But, uh, yeah, I haven't talked. We tried to get him to come to St. Lawrence. He went to Clarkson, but I don't think I've talked to him personally since we tried to recruit him. I do get involved. And in- so it's supposed to be a nice facility. Um, for us, it'll be fun to play um, you know, Boston University. Uh, we see enough of Penn State, so whether we get St. Cloud or not, we'll, we'll worry about that on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Play to do, so it, it should be fun.
1: That's great. Uh, it's funny, I just got a, a, a girls hockey report from Messina versus Franklin Academy up north. There was a girl that was supposed to jump on our show today. She just scored her 50th goal in 39 games. She plays up for that Adirondack 46 uh, or 16 U team. They've got a pretty good program up there going on.
0: Yeah, you had written about her. That's yeah. That's
1: yeah, they're putting out a – yeah, they're putting out – Matt Jones is one of the guys up there. He actually – him and um, – he actually put us in touch with uh, with Moff. We talked to Coach Moffitt over at Plattsburgh. We were trying to get Huly on. He was supposed to come on. We were. I was amazed by – and Dan and I were both amazed by Coach Hool's win-loss record at Plattsburgh yeah. State Women's. Oh,
0: that's incredible. <laughs> He's lost like 10 games in 15 years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were looking at him like Bill Belichick has nothing on this guy. <laughs> He's done a fabulous job. He's mm. a great guy. Gotten to know yeah. him over. There. Great guy. Um, no, he just every single year. In fact, if they lose a game, it's like, what the hell's wrong with Hooley?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. They just lost their second game this season, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, wow, well, at least you know you go to one of their games now, you're only gonna see wins. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's nothing but, left. That's For sure. Okay. Well, so if you could give him a call, let him know that we'd love yeah. to talk to him. We, That'd we, be great.
1: Yeah, Moff was on forever. We we talked to Moff lot. He's like, He'll, well, we'll get him on. And he's responded to us, but he's always got something. I think he has kids and playing and all kinds of other stuff going on. So,
0: He's a good guy. We actually worked together, um, uh, let's see, '08 with the women's team. We were assistant coaches together. And, um, so I got to spend a lot of time with Hooley. Yeah. So we were roommates and, uh, just a great guy, a really good coach. Uh, he'll have some good stories. I'll, uh, I'll shoot him a text telling him he's got to get on. He, he'll be funny. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, if you figure we got if, if we could keep Chris Wells under control for 35 minutes, I mean, I watched two years ago, I watched Wellesley pull his goalie with nine minutes left
0: in the third period. <laughs> In a women's game, that's his favorite. That. He loves that stat of how many minutes at the end of the year he's goalie. <laughs> if they scored, they wound up scoring. You had a power play, you
1: know, five on four, pulls his goal. He's down like four one, nine minutes left. He winds up getting a goal, making it four two. They still, they, I think they were playing Harvard. I think they still lost. <laughs>
0: I'm well, like he won in his mind. They won because they scored. Yeah.
2: All right. So coach, I've got two questions, one that may be controversial and then one that uh, is just really supportive for women's hockey, I think. So I'll start with the controversial one. Um, What, what are your thoughts? If you could share about the IAHF and canceling the 18U women's tournament.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I know that's uh, hitting, hitting prime time with a lot of people right now. Um, Well, first of all, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. Um, you know, you look into it. I know that some lower, I don't, maybe it's the, not the right way to phrase it, some other tournaments, three levels have been canceled as well, men's and women's. Um, I think that to, to kind of, look at the world juniors and use that as a comparison maybe it's tough maybe that to me is a separate entity just because of the millions that are involved in that that whole tournament and who knows speak right now what's going to happen with the rest yeah, of that right. but i i do know that there's millions of dollars that that are to, that are you know involved in the the world juniors and not to say that there isn't a lot at state for the U18 men's or women's or U16 tournaments, whatever. Um, I, I just think, you know, it's a really difficult situation. I really feel for the kids that are involved. So just just generally speaking, it's it, it seems like it's a bit unfair for sure if it's just the women's game, but I have heard there's a lot of different men's tournaments that have been canceled. Um, but I really feel for those kids, that maybe on the team last year, this year, and you don't get a chance to, to represent your country because all of a sudden, you know, you're off to college next year, you won't get that chance. I really feel for them. Um, that's, that's so unfortunate in whether it's this tournament, um, anything that's international where you represent country, um, right up to where, you know, some of these NHL guys that was gonna be their first shot at representing a country, um, you know, at least in North American country it, in the Olympics. And now the NHL is pulling back on that, and understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a tough question, but uh, I, I do see a little bit of both sides of it. Um, is it fair? No. No, it's not. But it's just something that I think, you know, the circumstance are really tough. And I don't know the inner workings of the, 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 the actual decisions. And, and maybe there's a lot, maybe that we don't know. Uh, I, I don't think they just arbitrarily, yeah, let's just cancel this U-18. Right. Let me, I, mean, I don't think it was anything like that. I think it was probably, they got to you know talk with the people in Sweden and get get you know their perspective. I, I just think, it, and I would hope that it was just, they're, they're just looking at all avenues and, and maybe they don't close the door totally on it. Um, but I think that, it's, it's, it's tough. And I, I feel for those kids, those coaches that only get a chance to coach and those kids that won't get a chance to play.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really what people struggle with the most two years in a row, 18 U's. I mean, this is their last shot. If they didn't get a chance to play previously, you know?
3: Yeah.
2: So, okay. Now my other question, which hopefully I would in- expect ends on a much better note Um some advice. So, I have uh, an 11-year-old girl that plays hockey, loves hockey. Actually, just came out in net and is playing defense for the first time um, in her hockey career. Loves it. What What's the best advice you can give a young, young female athlete to um, advance her hockey skills?
0: Well, obviously, you want to gravitate to you know the best coaching that you can find without you know having to travel too much. So, mom and dad don't have that hardship, but you want to gravitate. If, if you really want to be competitive, try to gravitate to, to a, you know, a good place where you know you're going to get good coaching, get a chance to play, get a chance to develop. Um, sometimes I think kids and, and parents more so will push their, their son or daughter to an environment where, yes, this is a better organization, but you're really not playing or you're not mm-hmm. learning enough. So I think much like from an educational perspective, get to a good school with good teachers i think the same thing find find an organization that's gonna you know not just look at everything's about playing the game but kind of a holistic kind of approach where you know some good guidance good good coaching but also some learn some good values along the way and making sure that things are in a good perspective and i think the other thing at 11 years old play as many sports as you can don't just focus yeah, you know, in your heart and in your mind, I'm a hockey player. But at that age, be a you know a softball player, play golf, play tennis, you know, swim, ski, do all those things. Stay active because you're going to be a better hockey player when you do have to decide. You know what, softball or hockey? I'm 18. I'm going to play hockey. It's my sport. And I think that if you can play multiple sports and just be an athlete year-round, stay active. You're gonna be that much better of an athlete. We we have found, at least here in the last few years, a lot of kids that, that specialized, they played hockey you know, 12 months of the year. That's all they did. They went to camps and clinics all summer and that's all they did. And then they're not as athletic when they get to us because you're playing other sports and you have to read and react to different sports, whether it's pulling double play in softball or whatever you know or or different situations in soccer and just understanding the similarities you know some of the similarities in the sport but just be an athlete and learn from those different sports you're going to be a better hockey player at the end of the day so I would encourage her to play sports and strive for a high level at all those sports and, and try to try to manage it and balance it as best you can and then when the time comes this is what I'm going to really focus on, um, once I'm 17, 18, 19, I think to me, that's, that's the way I would approach it. That great helps. advice. So, yeah, I yeah, know it great. is. It, it
1: really is. But we, cause we, have, we do have a, a, a pretty strong, uh, you know, girl hockey following. I, I can tell you that between oh, the because there's a lot going on between, um, here and Dan's daughter plays in Oswego and the Canton Blades girls team and the Adirondack 46ers and Ogdensburg. They kind of all stay in stay in touch with us and there's a lot of stuff going on. So I'm sure a lot of people hear that advice. And, you know, being able to listen to coaches like you and, and Chris and just these different people, it's really a win. You know, one name I wanted to run by you before we let you fly here is, uh, and I don't, I, do you know Glenn Tamaris?
0: Did you know Glenn Tamaris? Glenn Tamaris, absolutely absolutely My yeah dad, sitting right over here he
1: worked with him at Potsdam state okay yeah. i was just because bobby and i coach together bobby helps me run the club program that uh, these two clowns who haven't said anything over here play for 14 years. we run a, a, a hockey program called unity hockey and we do some, some summer stuff just three tournaments in the summer and i coach with bob and bob's actually down yep there he goes Cameron's showing his shirt um we actually practiced uh, down in in syracuse at um, Meacham all summer long, we were at Me- Meacham Rink and Bob was with us. Bob, Bob, coach, but he actually relocated down there because Glenn's not well. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, he's battling. He was battling, I think, cancer. So, looking at Brent,
0: did you know he was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brandon said cancer, but I didn't
1: know how yeah. he was doing. I think he's doing better now. Bobby went back down there. He was teaching up here uh, at Indian River High School, and he was uh, coaching hockey up here. And then he just went to be closer to home. He's at, I think he's at, uh, I think he's at Horseheads now. He's uh, maybe down that way.
0: Yeah. And Glenn, B, a couple of years older than me, but a Potsdam. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Clarkson guy. So I was Canton, I was St. Lawrence. Yeah. Um, he was coaching, I think, with Cap Raider when I first started with Joe. I'm pretty mm. sure he was the coach back then at Clarkson. And then he went to Potsdam State, I believe, and then he went to Elmira and then back to Potsdam State. I think you'll get that right.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Good guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Bobby was on our podcast a few weeks, well, probably five or six weeks back now. We were shooting the breeze with him, and he was, yeah, reminiscing about as being, a, being a kid and being a rink rat following his dad, you know, riding his dad's coattails everywhere. <laughs>
0: I wish going well. I hope he uh, he improves. I hope he's doing better.
1: Awesome, Coach. Uh, anybody else have anything for Coach Flanagan before we let him go?
4: Um. So I was looking at your roster, and uh, I saw May Batherson. Is that sister of Drake Batherson?
0: Sure is. Sure is. Yeah. She. Uh, she's a great kid. Pretty quiet. So they're from Nova Scotia. Um. And she uh she didn't talk much about her brother. You gotta kind of bug her about it. Hey, Drake had two and two last night. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay, whatever. Um we're <laughs> really close. Um uh, my sister was just telling me yesterday how he was talking about he would he must have been interviewed as NHL Network or he was local.
3: Yeah, little
0: just being interviewed on TV and talked about how he was proud of his sister who plays Division One hockey down in Syracuse. And um he was actually making comments regarding the question I was just asked about the UA team tournament. Uh being canceled so um he's obviously a staunch proponent of of women's hockey but he's he's really close with his sister so yeah it's kind of neat so we have uh we have a couple other connections too we've got uh anna lecision you remember that curtis lecision curtis i remember curtis yeah yeah so that's
1: pretty cool Yeah, very good. Well, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to follow some SU hockey here, guys. We're will I'm gonna we'll keep you up to date on that. We'll keep the, the, the viewers up to date on the on the tournament this weekend and, and the Battle of the Berg too. That's we wish you good luck there, Coach.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. And I don't, I don't know uh, offhand how to how to catch that online, but all of our games, as I said, are on Q's TV. So if you ever to you see, we're playing at home can't get here just just tune in it's free Doesn't cost yep. anything. I'm, I'm not sure of the games this weekend but i don't know if they're on espn plus
1: i think they are because I, I see you guys on there all the time and and um you know i gotta watch now i just gotta kind of take it in or maybe we should get down there and take a game in and are they yeah. letting fans are they letting fans in the games and
0: for you guys
2: no yeah oh yeah okay. so
0: yeah okay
2: all right. Terrific. All right, coach. coach.
0: We really appreciate you being on. Welcome. Anytime. And nice meeting everybody. You take care.
2: All right. You, you too. Make you it a too. great day, coach.
0: Thanks.
2: Excellent. Listen, I'm the more we talk to these people, I think the more I'm going to have to look into this new house school. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, Trey, who's Batherson?
4: He's a Senator. He's really good.
1: Yeah. What's his name?
4: Drake Batherson.
1: And he in oh, so his sister plays at SU, obviously, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: Well, oh, let's see if he's good enough though, Trey. He'd be able to chunk up some cash here, get SU a better facility, so these girls can play. <laughs> I know.
3: <clears throat> I know. All it's right.
2: Pretty interesting.
1: It was a. I mean, I was looking at his numbers. I mean, he's four hundred over four hundred wins. He's in the top. You know. I think he's in the top five college hockey coaches of all time and went on the women's side. So
2: just a great guy to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was a great interview. All right. Where are we at now, Mike?
1: Um, I was talking to the guys from power play. They wanted me to bring up the battle of the biscuit that uh three V three tournament that we've been talking about for the last few it's underway. Um, they had some uh, you know what, if I can, sh- maybe I can share my screen. Uh share my screen here and go to my preview. They had, I don't know if you guys can see some of the pictures, but Coach Cheryl sent me the pictures. This can you guys see these babies on here? Yep. Very nice. Yeah. So some of the some of the kids that played uh the other day uh over at PowerPlay
2: Sports, which is really nice. Uh playing a little uh bubble hockey. That's bubble like hockey. the only NHL hockey we got going on right now is bubble hockey. That's about it. I thought oh, I had a picture of
4: like
1: Sophia Williams years. there. What's that, Trey?
4: I was just going to say a comment on NHL hockey. There was a game yesterday that ended an 8-7 score.
1: Wow.
4: Eight, yeah, seven.
1: it was the first game. Those were the first two games, right, Trey?
4: Yeah, the Canucks played tonight, though.
1: Who played last night, Trey?
4: The Sharks versus the Coyotes and the Canadians versus the Lightning.
1: You got the results on those two?
4: Yeah, the uh, Sharks won eight to seven in a shootout over the Arizona Coyotes, and there were actually three players in that game that scored their first career goals. Wow! I don't know that I don't have the names. Of
2: me, but Do they have any goalies in that game? What happened? Game? <laughs> 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 they use the plastic goalies like we have it at the rink. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, then, that plastic goalie's pretty good. I've seen him block yeah. a lot of shots. Yeah,
4: Bob. Bob, Bob can make some really uh, clutch saves. Like Bob. Bob and Robert, right? bob and rob
1: well we always joke around there's a red one and a yellow one and i always say the red one's better than the yellow one <laughs>
4: <laughs> and Tell then, you, the um, belly
2: button on those things must be freaking hammered with black marks that's <laughs> all i see these kids shoot at and
4: what then, was the other one yeah um montreal pushed tampa bay to a ot game but tampa won five four an ot
1: yeah, what's his name? Braden Point had a heck of a game. I saw that highlights. I think it's his first game back from an injury, and I think you had a couple goals in that game. Um, I did have a couple things. I don't know what you guys have.
4: Uh, Canucks play the Ducks tonight, riding a six-game winning streak right now.
1: Yeah, that was it. it. Was it was probably not a good time for COVID to hit for um for the Canucks. Hopefully, they can pick it back up like they were doing before COVID.
4: Yeah, I have some. And, IIHF trivia questions.
1: Oh, you do? Oh, World
4: Junior world, world Junior trivia.
1: Well, let's run with what do you think, say we run with Trey's trivia well, now? Actually,
4: it's more just inter, international in general, but all right, uh, so, Olympic question. All right, well, so you. which international team uh, won the World Junior World Juniors last year, and what was the score?
2: Yeah, I got nothing. The, world, the, uh, the world
1: juniors last year was played in a bubble. There were no fans. The United States won the world juniors, led by Cole Caulfield, Bowen Byram, and uh, what's the name of the goaltender that plays for the Florida Panthers now?
4: No, but Bowen Byram's Canadian, but
1: Ze- Trevor Zegris. Oh, Trevor Zegris. I meant Bowen Byram was on the Canadian team. Who's the goalie? Wasn't the goalie from uh, Florida? That's right. Yeah. And the U.S. won the championship game two to nothing, I believe, against Canada. Yep. All right,
4: nice one.
2: Holy cow!
1: Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a World Junior fanatic. It's actually my March Madness. A lot of people like basketball. My March Madness is the World Juniors. I just absolutely love watching it because you see all the guys that are either drafted to the NHL or going to be in the NHL and like college kids. It's pretty cool. All
4: right, (sighs) Canadian Connor Bedard. Scored four goals last night against Austria in a World Juniors game, tying the world record. The World Juniors record set by who?
1: I, I well, I know one of the guys that did it. One of the guys is Mario Lemieux for sure.
4: Nope. No. There's only one guy. One other guy.
1: One other guy. Give me his an. Give me his initials. W G. W G. Wow, that's a tough one. Wayne Gretzky.
4: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. I was really picking my brain. I didn't realize Wayne Gretzky actually played in the World Juniors.
2: Yeah. I would have figured he skipped right over at 14. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm playing right through. The kid that listen, the kid that or uh this Connor Bedard kid. Um, I don't know if you followed it at all, but he is 16 years old. So he's two years older than these two guys, and he's playing in this tournament with 18, 19, and 20 year olds. And he had four goals last night. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's As a 16 else. year old. And he's not that
2: big. When you look at him, he's not like it's not like he's six foot three or anything. All
4: Pretty right.
2: Interesting. Well, we'll see how these two do uh, against some uh, 16 year olds in a couple of days. Yes, we will.
4: Name one player who has won both a gold medal and a Stanley cup.
2: Well, I I know it's not Pat LaFontaine because he won neither. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Missed them both by one (laughs) by one. Well, I know for a fact that Patrice Bergeron
1: has won a Stanley cup and a gold medal from the Boston Bruins because he's
4: also won the world juniors. I believe.
1: Yep. Yep. I don't know of any, uh, maybe Sidney Crosby. Yeah, Sidney Crosby won a gold medal in a Stanley Cup because he would have scored that golden goal that they always talk about against the US team. There's two. Is there other ones?
4: I mean, like, um,
1: I think there is. I think there's a few. I had written down. Well, hey, listen, Wayne Gretzky, I would imagine the year that, yeah, he probably did it because he was in the world. Yeah, Lemieux probably did.
4: uh stamkos
1: yep who also played last night with the tampa bay lightning all right
4: martian probably we... wasn't in the olympics in 2010
1: yeah he was he, i guess he was complaining that uh he wasn't happy that the olympics were being canceled because brad yeah, martian wanted to he, play he said,
4: uh, he said he wanted players to make their choice on whether they can go in there
1: yeah he thinks it's his last chance what do you got for uh broadcasting dan coming up anything big Anything from
2: so, yeah, this weekend is still yet to be determined what games I'm going to be going to Um, it it got way more confusing. And also that uh, I was looking forward to having a clear schedule for the Martin Luther King Junior weekend. But now that is so busy with hockey. It's ridiculous. All three of my kids are in tournaments in very different locations. Yeah, we just added that tournament to the Watertown Bantam
1: uh, uh, schedule. But that looks like it's going to be a good tournament because there's some good competition there. I know that uh, obviously Ogdensburg has a great club, and I know that um, Messina is also going to that and probably the Adirondack 46s.
2: So. Yeah, that, that should be a great tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the Oswego Girls has their Girl Power Tournament. Um, oh, yeah. And that's in Oswego. And then there's that other uh, girl tournament. I forgot the name of it down in Cicero uh, that attracts like 80 girl teams. Yeah, I know what you're talking
1: about. Um, Is she going to that too?
2: She's not. But I was actually asked. I was offered to uh, get hired to broadcast those games. I turned that down a while ago because I knew of Estelle's tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, But now there's Estelle's tournament. There's Cameron's tournament. The Salmon River 18U, or no, and I'm sorry, is it the 18U tournament? Is that weekend or high school? Is it high school tournament. I think it's high school, right? Yeah. So what the heck? No, Nobody <laughs> that schedules games has any respect for my time, you know? I, it was easier when uh, all three, honestly, when all three of them were at Salmon River and either Karen or I was the tournament coordinator? We got to decide when tournaments were. <laughs> it's a lot easier for us. <laughs> but oh well, can't control everything all the time. So that's Cam- upcoming- that's, Cam-
1: that's Cameron's fault. You wanted to come play in Watertown.
2: Yeah, I don't Found- know why. I don't know. Found some kids. It's all about the kids. Right. Yeah, it's so- not
1: about the coach. It's about the kids.
2: Yeah. Right, Cameron. Yeah,
3: oh, Cameron. You've been
1: thanks. awfully quiet today. You've been you've been super quiet. I don't know. You're awake too, actually. Usually, you're falling asleep during the podcast. So. I saw it's some a, eye it's rubbing.
3: It's at noon.
2: It's at yeah. It's at
3: yeah, oh,
2: one o'clock. So we do have some reports of uh, previous games over the last week. Okay. Um. So we've got the. I, I mean, I really, I just have the IHC uh, Mohawk Valley game. And mm-hmm. the Watertown and Oswego game. Did the bay so, obey play? No, nah, they played last the 22nd. I think we covered that game though, didn't we? I'm not sure. Last week, Wednesday. Um I don't know. Let's see. Do I have those results on me? I uh well oh, you're looking at oh, oh yeah. it's bivill. Yeah. Did you cover that? I I did. Yeah. Um, and Baldwin'sville again, uh, they, they play a really good game of just slow wearing down, like they don't come out, um, looking like they're, uh, you know, head and shoulders above anybody, but much like they played against IHC, it was just they constantly played their same game and they just wore away at uh, their opposition and by the end of the game uh baldwin'sville had come away what one two three four five to two ontario uh, yeah uh, baldwin'sville beat ontario bay five two at the end of the first period it was two two and then they were up three two at the end of the second so it looked really really close but then uh you know they buried a couple more and just won five to three so um that's what I think the IAC thing, too. I think they were 3-3 with IAC and wound up winning 6-3, and they, they just ran them down. Right, just you wore know? them down. That's yep. it. So it kind of goes to say, uh, you know, I, somebody gave me some good advice or a tip that they had heard a long time ago. Um, it only matters if you win the third period. Yeah. So um, We know that.
1: <laughs> We've had a lot of problems in the third period this year, too. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, let see what I ask here. Yeah. Uh, I got the FPHL, uh, the Watertown Wolves. Got a little of that. They had a game. You guys, check this out. I don't know if you guys – I know Carter Nethers went, so I don't know if you guys heard this, but they played Monday night, and they were supposed to play a 7 o'clock game. I think the game got started at 11 o'clock at night because they were playing the Danbury hat Tricks, and the team's bus broke down on at least two occasions, maybe three. <laughs> So the team wound up getting to Watertown and they played the game starting at 11 o'clock at night. And and it was funny because they were making uh, light of the whole thing that the first period was on Monday and the rest of the game finished on Tuesday. (laughs) And they wound up winning uh, five to four in overtime and they called it the Midnight Showdown. And the Wolves are actually playing the Delaware Thunder uh, tomorrow, Thursday, New Year's Eve at 7 p.m which I think will affect our practice because I think we were supposed to have a practice tomorrow night, but well, we'll figure that out anyways.
2: Wow. Well, I look forward to those updates coming through sports engine later. Is <laughs> <laughs> so, there anything um, on the world juniors, Ray?
4: Um, Aus- Austria lost to Canada. That was the only game last night and they lost to 11 to two. And that was the game that kind of four goals. to USA is on the brink of elimination tonight against Sweden, who is very good this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be rough.
1: Yeah, that and like we were saying when we were talking to Coach Flanagan, who knows what's going on there? Those guys are in, like, Edmonton and Red Deer, and they're, like, playing in, like, I guess a quasi-bubble. They can't have contact with anybody else, but now COVID reports are coming out of there like crazy, so... (laughs) The IIHF is probably going to be part of it. Cancel this too.
2: Okay. <laughs> um. Actually,
4: just got an alert. Yep. Uh, Czechia has mm-hmm. forfeited today's game against Finland due to a COVID nineteen issue. Mm. Wow. That's another win for Finland. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think they're undefeated, right? Finland's like either two and zero or three and
4: zero. Yeah, they just won against Czechia because they forfeit, and yeah. Not
1: doing good. A little bit of college stuff. Not a lot going on right now because everybody's on break. You know, nobody's really been playing. None of the college teams have really been playing any hockey. I think stuff's picking up. Like, you know, when we were talking to Coach Flanagan, they're going to that tournament in Pittsburgh. I think a lot of teams are starting tournaments and play this this weekend, even on New Year's Day. Uh, I know that um, Saint Lawrence Saints face off tonight, which is Wednesday recording date. Uh, and they're playing uh, UMass Lowell, which is my home team from Massachusetts, UMass Lowell in Canton tonight at 7. And then they are playing um, University of Omaha, Nebraska, which is a very good program, believe it or not. And they're playing them on New Year's Eve. And then Clarkson a men's exhibition game scheduled at the University of Ottawa on the 30th. But uh, I don't know if that's going off with the border being the way it is. And one more time on that Syracuse women's game, they're going to be playing in the Battle of the Berg in Pittsburgh. They're scheduled to play BU on Saturday, January 1st at 4 p.m. And then they will play either Penn State or St. Cloud. So if you have a chance to watch it anywhere on, what would he say? It was Q's TV? Q's Q's TV. TV Or or if you have ESPN Plus, I think they're on there as well. Uh, Canton men's hockey, they're playing. Playing Skidmore. In the Pathfinder Bank Tournament, and then they play uh, in. I think that's down in Oswego, so that's it. I don't have. I have the IHC Mohawk Valley game. Uh, you called that, Dan. That was uh, a six-two win for IHC. Their first uh, regular season victory um, on 12 twelve twenty-two, and that was a, that was a fun game. That was a fun game to be part of, and it was nice for uh, Coach Adam Roberts to get his first official win as a high school coach. That was pretty cool.
4: Yeah. Um. Another thing about the World Juniors. Yeah. Um. If, if Czechia has to forfeit their game tomorrow against Austria, Austria will actually make the quarterfinals as the bottom seed because everyone's having to forfeit games, which is just crazy. Austria, who
1: just lost 11-2 to Canada, is going to yes. make the quarterfinals.
4: <laughs> if Czechia has to forfeit their game tomorrow.
1: Wow. wow. <laughs> uh, I don't have a lot of other reports. Uh, I do have I don't know if you guys have anything. I have the Watertown White team playing uh, this past weekend um, against Ogdensburg. They, they played in the Bay. Watertown 14U Whites played in the Bay on Sunday night. Um, report from Bray Notting. 5-3 final. They lost. Uh, great game played by Aiden Perry and Goal. And then the Watertown 14U Red team. That's Cam and Trey's team. Played against Oswego, a team they had beat seven four earlier in the season, and they lost a hard fought game five to two. It was a three two game going into the third period. Uh, Watertown was on the rebound after being down <clears throat> three to nothing, two to nothing. I'm sorry, and then three to one, uh, and played really well, quite honestly. Outshot their opponents, uh, but um, Dan, I think you have the line of the game because I know you uh, you called it and you have the stats, and I think we were destroyed by. Essentially three players. Yeah.
2: Maybe you can add some color to that. <laughs> three players, absolutely. And you know what? I just misplaced my sheet. Where the heck? Oh, wait. Nope. I read it to you. Yeah, you well,
1: did. Anyway, um one of them was Divendorf, number eighty-nine. I can remember
3: that. Yeah, I can remember was... I remember all three of the numbers.
4: The other one was nine and the other one was sixty one. No,
3: no, it was six, six. six. six, 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 six sixty one and 89. Trey, You must have got knocked over and was reading
2: his number upside down or something. <laughs> yeah. But where the heck did it go?
3: Is that, uh, that one? That ultimate one fail. Line. I
2: had to prepare. Yeah, that one line is right.
3: Oh, um, that was destroy us. Yep. Subert,
2: Owen Subert, Gavin Ruggio, and Daniel Devendorf got all of their goals, all of their points. And um, if you look back, uh, I almost feel bad. Like some of my um, commentating or video is giving away and exceptional amount of gameplay for um, other teams to scout the uh oswego 14u red team um, right. because they uh they collapsed um they were triple team some of our players um whenever they had the puck or were on the ice even yeah um yeah you, you can see it in some of the pictures that uh mr st croix took you could see it on a lot of the videos that um you know that i have on there and um You know what? Actually, Mike, you mentioned something too that I thought was interesting. You said they they uh, they beat us with a lot of stretch passes. Mm -hmm. So if you could explain what is the stretch pass? What do you mean by that? So what
1: they would do is when they did collect the puck. So we put a lot of pressure on them, and we had a lot of shots on their goal, and we had uh, I think we had some good offensive presence, and and we would you know when we got into the zone we. I, I think we, especially uh, in the, later in the second period and the third, we worked as a team. Uh, was, uh, we were getting a little stressed out there and there was some individual efforts, but when they collected the puck from us and they got the puck, what they were able to do is from their defensive zone, they were able to float a player out away from where we were focusing. So they, they, the guy would be out almost at the, at the center ice line, so to speak, or maybe even a little beyond the center ice line. And they would hit him on a long pass And he would be essentially, he would be 10 feet behind our defenseman who was in a normal game who was playing probably the proper gap and spacing distance because they were backing up out of the zone, but the guy, they were sneaking a guy off on that wing and they were sneaking a guy in behind us. And then we gave up, I don't know, what would you say, Cam, four or five, like two on ones or like breakaways? Yeah, there's a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, you know, and it was, we trying to catch them from behind and, uh, and that's when they were most effective. They didn't have a lot of offensive zone pressure. And I think if you looked at the video of the game, most of their goals came on, uh, you know, a two on one play or a breakaway. Um, and, you know, it was a four, two game. I mean, they hit an empty net goal. We pulled the goalie. He tried, we tried for our own little stretch fast play towards the end of the game with the, by adding an extra skater, but obviously it didn't work out for us. Um, one thing I did want to highlight though, uh, and I'm going to look to see if I can do a sh- screen share right now, Dan.
2: Oh, I think I am sharing. So, okay.
1: Do. Go ahead. All right. <clears throat> so, is um, what I'm going to just share this up with the boys. One of the things that was kind of um, not even kind of was really not great about the game is the fact that one of our players, Steve O, as you all know him, uh, who plays everywhere. He plays defense, he plays offense and he absolutely loves hockey and is totally beloved by his team. And that's true. Right. Cam and Trey, Steve yes. is one of the, he's, he's just a fun kid to be around. And uh, Steve O broke his wrist in the first period. And we've had, uh, you know, we went through, um, we went through it when we were at Canton, when, you know, our, our former guest, Ah, uh, Josh Eurasian—he broke his ankle. Now we've lost Stevo, uh, probably for the rest of the season. So uh, hopefully, you can see this little video that I have up on my screen. But our our guys did a little video for Steve-O. I wanted to make it part of the permanent record because we want you to get well soon, and I wanted to feature you here on the Steve-O. podcast. I
3: love, I love you. you better. Love you, uh, so
1: there's a lot of love there for yes. steve-o mm-hmm. we're feeling bad for you steve-o I hope you listen to the podcast um you know we got to talk to his mom bobby said that uh they were actually putting a hard cast on it here and um don't want to get into too much HIPAA. but uh we're gonna miss steve-o on the blue line and on the wing wherever he would play for us because he was kind of all over the place so get well soon buddy Definitely get well soon, Steve. Steve Oh. We didn't, I didn't even, you know, I didn't, he came off the ice and I, he's like, my wrist hurts. And apparently he had broken it last year. Mm. This poor kid, he loves hockey and he's missed better part of two hockey seasons now.
4: No, actually, was... we were talking, me, Will, and Steve were talking, we were like, talking about us going skiing uh, before mm-hmm. the game. And Steve yep. was like, no, I don't want to go skiing. I broke my wrist last year skiing right before the game.
3: Really? Yeah. Uh, and, I broke my wrist, uh, my left wrist, like, what was it, like two years ago? Like it was your I arm.
2: It, it was above your wrist.
3: No. Uh, one of them was in the growth plate in, like, here.
2: Of your tibia. Yeah. Um,
3: How did you do that? Uh, the first one, I got launched off a four-wheeler. Okay. I was going down, like, a hill. I wasn't going too fast, but I hit, like, a rock, and it launched off in the air. Then about uh, Second one. Jumped out of a tree. My foot got caught. <laughs> I this is going to be a good down. hockey story behind this. Or skiing or something. Jumped out. Launched I off a four-wheeler. Swung down. Because my foot got caught. Like the Y of it. Like right in the crevice of it. And I swung down. I would have smashed my face into like the trunk of the tree. But my, I, my foot came out of my shoe. And I landed on my own then. And broke it again. But I felt steve wrist. And it just didn't feel right. And, and I was like, uh.
1: Stops again. He is. He um, stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last Holiday Inn Express last night. Now he's a doctor. That's right. That's right. Doctor Cameron.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. Uh, let me see. What else do we have? Uh, our Watertown. Twelve U Red Team is still looking for some games. January fifteenth, sixteenth, and twenty-second. Contact us. Reach out to Power Play podcast Nny at gmail.com That's powerplay podcast Nny at gmail.com. We can put you in touch with Shane Wisner team manager. Uh, not much going on on the Lady Bucks front heard from Bean and Weezer. They've had a week off so good for them. heard from Piper Gonas out in the field same thing. nothing going on there. Uh, TI La- Lady Pirates unfortunately uh, didn't play in the Islanders girls varsity program still winless as they lost their last game to Canton. Um, we did hear from Massachusetts, our friend Braden Rich, uh, who was on a couple weeks ago. He had a good game this weekend. The Auburn Rockets over in Massachusetts um, beat uh, Woods, the Woodstock Centaurs. What a cool name for a team. Centaur. Mm. Three to two. So congratulations on that win, Braden. That's a big one. And then um, we have our contests sponsored by PowerPlay Sports. And those are the 92 Challenge and the mop of the week so why don't we reveal dan i'm gonna let you do the reveal on uh, i'm not gonna let you
2: why don't you uh do the reveal on the Mullet of the week so clearly no 92 challenge because there's been no school
1: no right? i got one i have one. Oh, it's really from, oh yeah i do have one i do have one uh, he submitted it on uh
2: on facebook so i, I it's, okay it's a, oh excellent wild. well good to know good to know upcoming games this weekend we have the uh Watertown 16U versus the Watertown 14U game Friday morning. Um, almost positive that you'll be able to catch that on my YouTube channel, the Dan Allen. Um, and then on Sunday there are, I know, three games. I know Salmon River 18U is taking on Clinton in at the Haldane Memorial Arena in Pulaski. The Whitestown 14U. Red team is coming to Watertown to play these two guys here, 14U, red team. And the girls, uh, 12U, Oswego team will be playing against Lysander's tournament-bound team at the James P. Cullinan Skating Rink in Oswego. That is the other rink, as we call it, in Oswego. There are hardly any stands. It is ice cold, um, and there's no Wi-Fi, so if i'm there though i will be able to broadcast that one from my phone so anyway that's this weekend coming up now as requested by mr michael Ledoux, our mop of the week goes to uh one of the nicest kids actually that i've ever met uh playing hockey this kid um everybody that has to be super polite uh true gentleman on and off the ice a very good player as well love watching him love calling out his name um it is none other than number 19 of the Ontario Bay and the Salmon River Storm Mr. Riley
3: Baloo <laughs> look at that 18, that's 18, a 18 19, uh uh Bode, I thought
2: Oh, dude, I just messed that up. Oh, you know what? It says
3: 19 there.
2: Yeah, that's what I wrote down. That's 18.
3: 18. 19 is uh, Joe Boudou. Oh, my goodness. I know Joe. Joe. 18 is Riley Ballou.
1: Wow, I like how the camera's right on top of things. 18. Look at that. (laughs) There you go. Number 18. (laughs) There you go. Don't let these guys start drawing. Whatever you do, Dan.
2: All fixed. All fixed. Number 18. Riley (laughs) Ballou. (laughs) <laughs> sorry riley
3: <laughs> i was like i was like 19 to the right yeah
2: right.
1: so right. riley if you uh if riley if you're listening which you should be we should make it a prerequisite that you have to listen to the whole podcast you That's can it. stop by power play sports to get your special prize which is a power play sports baseball hat which is really cool Congratulations, that's glad that we got a submission. I'm gonna do one quick screen share here to talk about our 92 challenge. It's submitted a couple weeks ago, uh, but we haven't, we actually have a few, we have a, probably a dozen more in the in the queue. We have a lot of submissions for this. In uh, that, uh, let me just see if I can, uh, let me see where I have, I'd have that winner. Let me just see if it's in, nope, it's not in preview. Let me do my screen share. And there it is, the winner. Of the 92 challenge for having great grades above a 92 or an A is Sam Miller with a grade of 100% in his, ta- his tax and tip quiz, tax and tip quiz, which is an appropriate quiz here in New York State where we both have plenty of taxes and have to tip people when we go to restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good, Sam, that you got 100%. It seems like uh, everybody's doing quite well in math. We have a lot of winners that are doing that uh, really well. So Sam Miller, we will notify you that you can get either a PowerPlay Sports hat, two rolls of tape, or some Howie stick Wax from the folks over at PowerPlay Sports. Awesome. Congratulations, Sam Miller. And I think, I think that's it, guys. I don't know what else I
2: have here. Do you guys have anything else, Trey, Cam? I think that's it. Yeah, I think we're all good on my end. Looking forward to uh, next week. We have some more interviews lined up. Yes. We have uh, Brooke Terry,
1: who is actually playing right now. Uh, she is a 16 year player from the Adirondack 46s program in Messina. And F- Messina or, Nor- or Franklin, I forget what high school team she plays for. But anyways, 50 goals in 39 games. She has 50 goals in 39 games at the 16U level with that team, which is a quite competitive team. Uh, that matches the legendary Wayne Gretzky, who scored the fastest 50 goals in NHL history, 50 goals in 39 games as well. And he did that, I believe, against the New York Islanders. I think he scored his 50th goal in his 39th game against the New York Islanders back when they were going neck and neck for Stanley Cups. And
4: yeah, he had, he had 45 Through 38. Yep. And then a five goal game
1: against the Islanders, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate it. Those were the good Islanders, though, uh, D. Dan Dallin. Those are the Islanders of, uh, I I think he might have had five goals in that game, but I think the Islanders still won the cup that year. I think
2: they beat the Edmonton Oilers. (laughs) So,
1: (laughs) all right. We'll turn it over to you, Dan, for our sign off.
2: All right. Well, we appreciate everybody being with us here. Don't wait for it to be a good day. Make it a great day. day.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks a lot.